This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, today we're going to tackle a whole basket of developments on the international stage that are very significant. Yesterday, Boris Johnson was sworn in as the new British Prime Minister. Also yesterday, Robert Mueller's long-awaited testimony before Congress. Now, I suspect that any Democrats hoping for a leg up from this were disappointed. Have a listen. Could you charge the president with a crime after he left office? Yes. You believe that he committed, you could charge the president of the United States with obstruction of justice after he left office? Yes. What he showed more than anything else is that this whole thing has been three years of embarrassment and waste of time for our country. And you know what? The Democrats thought they could win an election like this. I think they hurt themselves very badly for 2020. Okay, well, uh, anxious to hear what you think of that. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. There are also other stories, a big one being the escalation of tensions with Iran. That is a dangerous development. And right now, I'm joined by Janice Stein of the Monk School. Hi, Janice of Global Affairs and Sean Spear from the McDonald Laurier Institute. Hi, both of you. Good morning, Libby. Good afternoon. Good morning, Sean. Hello to both of you. Okay, well, uh, let's begin with Sean. And what do you think of the testimony yesterday? Well, it just, just, I think, reinforces um, the extent to which uh, the American political system has become dysfunctional. Um, Both sides of the aisle have left feeling affirmed. um, And as an observer from outside the United States, but someone who's a, a who's an American file who believes in the importance of uh, America and its role in the world you can't help but uh, watch yesterday's episode and find it um, quite unedifying Janice I agree with Sean it's so politicized uh, you know committee hearings have always been politicized Democrats have an agenda and Republicans have an agenda. Uh, but here they have someone with, frankly, and I'm sorry for the pun, unimpeachable integrity. Um, and you could just see um, how exhausted he was, how uncomfortable he was, how measured he was, and how painful it was for him to be a participant in that kind of process. Did that testimony change anybody's mind on any side of this? I'd be stunned if it did. Okay. May, may I just add one other point? Sure. Um, the, 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 the piece of the puzzle that's being lost here, uh, which is something that is hi- highly relevant for the Canadian public, is beneath all of the politics, beneath all of this, the point scoring and so on, we're still left with the fact uh, that a foreign power 
intentionally and deliberately sought to interfere with the American election. And but that's that on be, you, Sean, and they're not the only ones who do it, as we know. Exactly, and that ought to be the subject of a of political consensus. Well, the, um, the, and instead, because of the 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 theatrics and so on, the, the kind of fundamental question about how do we protect our democracy, uh, I'm afraid, is, is, is also being politicized at best and at worst being completely neglected. And, and, and it seems to me that is amongst the various parts of uh, yesterday's episode that's regrettable. Uh, I would put that near the top of the list. Well, and, and uh, you know, Mueller said, hey, people, it's happening now. I, I'd like to bring in Michael Tobe, public affairs analyst. Uh, Michael, how do you see what happened yesterday? Uh, with the Mueller testimony? Yeah. Um, I agree with both of Sean and Janice when they say that it was very politicized. But unfortunately, not only is that the way that the United States operates, that's just the way these committee operate. <laughs> operate. Yeah. It's very, okay. very common for testimonies to get very heated. And we've seen them in the past, certainly in the United States, when Democrats and Republicans get their claws, so to speak, on certain people, and they go back and forth. And sadly, it's the buzz clips that are memorable to people. They, they remember the little 20 to 30 second jabs rather than anything else. I didn't think, obviously, that... Well, there were two parts to it. I'll, I'll backtrack. The first part was the Democrats got what they wanted out of this thing. They didn't do extremely well. I agree with people like NBC News' Chuck Todd, who's a liberal, different than I am, who said that really the Democrats got the two points that they really desired, which was that they got on the record from Mueller that he directly said that, you know, you can eventually charge... Mr. Trump with a crime yeah, after he cut, it leaves as president, either by defeat in 2020 or when his two terms are up in 2024, although later on he actually did backtrack on that statement a little bit, the Democrats are only just going to play with this one line. That's really what they wanted there. And they also wanted to ensure that it was out there that Mueller himself and the Mueller report, the 448-page report, did not completely exonerate President Trump from all the charges, mostly dealing with obstruction of justice. So they got what they wanted. The Republicans got, though, a lot more than they actually bargained for, because, and I completely disagree with Janice on this, Robert Mueller did not handle himself very well at all. He stumbled and fumbled through most of his testimony. I have never seen at any one of these committees someone asked to repeat so many different lines and sentences and paragraphs or then he plays the angle of almost being dumb, which I really didn't like, where he said that, well, what's written in the report will stand on its own. That's always a sign of someone who obviously is not familiar with the work. This, again, does not oh, mean I don't Mr. Agree. Mueller is not an intelligent person. It does not mean he is not capable. It doesn't mean that his years of service should be disregarded. But at the same time, we have to be realistic about it. Oh, I don't agree at all. When they're... Okay, Janice, let Janice please respond. Yeah, I don't agree with that judgment at all. Mueller was walking a very fine line. This is a testimony of somebody who understood that his words could be used and misused in legal proceedings. Um, and what he was in right from the beginning, he was... Functionally, what he was saying, I'm not going to say any more, and he had warned the Democrats that he was going to do this. I am not going to say any more about this issue. This issue will be before the courts, so I'm going to make no substantive comment. And he stuck to that, and they didn't rattle him. I think, I think 
he did look tired, he did look dispirited, but he was not stumbling and fumbling and unsure of the content of what he said. This is a very deliberate strategy. Well, and, you know, I have to say something. You know, my, my husband, who does have expertise in foreign affairs now, he watched the whole thing, and he thought that Mueller did look kind of, out of it, I don't know. Of course, for what he did, and the most that... analysts said that, Janice. You're actually, as of right now, you're the only one I've actually found who said otherwise. It doesn't mean that he's a bad human being. No, he I understand. Do, he didn't do well. It was not well. A good Janice has a different opinion, and yeah. let's go with to uh, Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Uh, hi, I have to agree with Janice and your husband. Uh, I watched, it and they were asking him uh, one point about the GPS group and the dossier. I believe it's the GPS group. And he didn't. He he was unaware of who they were. This is a man that's conducted the entire investigation, and a basic fact like that, he's unaware of it. Uh, it it made, really made me wonder what a sham this thing is. And they've destroyed so many people's lives. They've gone in. They found tax fraud, this whatever, from way back when, and destroyed people's lives. And yet they spent three years trying to take down the president and don't have a single thing on them. It's, uh, it's the worst sham that I've ever seen in, in in all of politics. Okay, Bill, thanks for that. Uh, I don't know, do you agree that they don't have a thing on him, Sean Spear? Well, let me just let me just weigh in on this question for a second about uh, about Mueller's testimony. I, I trust Mueller. I, I, I tend to side with Janice in the sense that uh, this was, I think, his 90th uh, appearance before Congress, and arguably his most important, given the subject matter and given the politicized and polarized nature of this issue. And I think what you saw was someone who uh, was being intentional and deliberate and who could blame him given those circumstances. As Michael says, even uh, snips of what he said have been used uh, to try to to try to score political points. Had he been loose, um, it would have been even worse. And so I think that we put a, a, a man in a, a virtually impossible circumstances, and he did did the best he could. As for the investigation itself, uh, what I would say to Bill is whether one agrees or disagrees with Bill's characterization, the most regrettable point is the one I made earlier, which is the first part of the, the report highlights uh, efforts on the part of a foreign government to interfere with U.S. campaigns. And as Janice says, this is something that is not unique to Russia and not even unique to the United States. Well, they're doing uh, I, it here, too. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's the part of this issue that requires much more attention. And I would say a pox on both Democrats and Republican houses uh, for neglecting something that, as I say, ought to um, be the subject of, of political consensus. And that is that our elections and our politics ought to be decided by us on issues concerning us and and not be uh, subject to the type of interference and um, not by and, Russian and bots? manipulation by others. Well, Sean, do you think, and do you think that the procedures that the Canadian government has put into place with a committee headed by our clerk, who's a neutral civil servant, that they will go public during the election period if they identify foreign interference of this kind, do you consider that a meaningful step forward that distinguishes us from the United States? Because we have paid attention to this issue. Um, I agree. I agree. I think the steps the government has taken are positive. And I, if anything, Janice, what I would say is I would just encourage the government, um, particularly the, the career 
the dedicated career public servants to make sure that that process is inclusive um, so that all political actors uh, 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 can have confidence that it is that it's transcending partisanship and transcending politics. We need to create the space where we can have big political debates. And the only way that can be done is, as I say, if we're confident um, that that space is protected from pollution from other sources. Okay, now, Jana Stein, I know that uh, you have to go, so we will say goodbye and thank you to you. Okay, and thank you all. Okay, and we continue with Sean Spear and Michael Tobe. But first, we'll take a call from Kathy in Niagara Falls. Hi, Kathy. Hi. You're talking about my favorite subject. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, I think that they should have had Mueller on before, like in the beginning of all this one that started, because... The Americans have, have moved on. They've forgotten everything that, that happened, or else they didn't even read the report. They don't care, because most of the Republicans seem to be blind to everything he does. They think he's wonderful, and uh, I think he should be impeached. Okay, well, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're on our side of the border, Kathy. Yes, I am. Okay, well, uh, you don't even have a, a you know any kind of say in this. Uh, but Donald Trump's poll numbers are 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 up. Uh, Sean, do you find that su- surprising? Well, <laughs> what's surprising, to be honest, Libby, Libby, is that they're not higher. I mean, it speaks to how destructive this president is to his own interests. Uh, if you think about how well the American economy is performing, the president's um, personal numbers ought to be much higher. Um, the only reason they're not is because um, not just this issue, but I think his, his conduct, his temperament, his uh, antics and so on. Mr. Trump is his own uh, worst enemy. Uh, and the fact that uh, I would say is, um, that the more surprising thing is not that his numbers are so high. Um, it's that they're so low. Really? Michael, do you agree? Um, I agree with Sean that they probably should be higher than they are right now. Although, on the other hand, we have to be fair about it, which is that the United States, much like other countries, and we're becoming more so as time goes along, is very politically polarized. And for that reason, what was the, we can either call the traditional or modern, right and left are obviously not willing to build political bridges. If anything, they're willing to put more dynamite down below and blow them up. And for that reason, you then frustrate the electorate as well, because a lot of people will come out saying that it's not an issue of Tweedledum versus Tweedledee, as we used to discuss politics. It's basically us versus them. Which side do we want to be on? And that obviously turns off a lot of people. Now, does it necessarily... One would hope. ...ideologues? No, but I mean, it unfortunately is just part of reality. Okay, uh, let's hear from Sam in Toronto. Hi, Sam. Oh, hello. Hello. You're on the air, Sam. Oh, hi. How are you? Fine. Um, well, um, you know, to you have to just separate facts from fiction. I think uh, my my two points is this. Number one, Russia interfered in whatever election. You know, like $100,000 worth of ads that talk about Jesus. I don't know if that's going to affect any election, but let's say, okay, I agree. That's what happened, and Hillary lost. And that's a fact. You know, just like America does it to other countries, every, every other superpower does it to others, you know, in some way or form, you know, when it comes to Latin America and everything. That's a fact. And now what we do about it, that's up to the government. That's up to the system to do it. But then there is like this overhype. If you look at the timeline from the beginning, 
like this is much about nothing, much about nothing when it comes to Trump. I don't you know. I'm not uh, uh, condoning uh, Trump. I'm, I'm saying he's a great president or anything. But, you know, you got to beat this guy with the right facts, you know, when it comes to economy or when it comes to how you, uh, you know, uh, deficit or whatever, you know, but beating this guy with Russia, conspiracy and all kinds, it just discredits the whole system. You know, that's why the media credibility has been uh, practically, you know, demolished in a lot of, uh, with a lot of networks and newspapers and everything, because, you know, they beat a dead horse, keep going over it and over it and over it with no proof. Well, and, I guess um, I, I... I really feel bad. I really feel bad that, you know, uh, credibility of the media has been... Uh, Pretty much damaged. Okay. Thanks, Sam, for that. Well, may, I may guess. Can I say something sure. in response to Sam's comment? Where I would agree with him is that um, I think that the, for all of the attention on Mr. Trump um, and his personal flaws and the flaws of his presidency, uh, I, I do think it has obscured the extent to which the Democratic Party is similarly going through uh, a, a tremendous turmoil. Uh, and the, the Mueller issue, the Russian probe, and all of these issues have papered over what are deep cracks within the Democratic Party that I think will start to be exposed as uh, as they go through their presidential process. And while I don't diminish the challenges that the Republican Party is having, um, things aren't hunky-dory on the Democratic side either. And I actually think uh, whoever comes out of the Democratic primary is going to be pretty battered and bruised, and we're going to have a pretty unedifying election campaign with an unpopular Mr. Trump facing off against someone uh, who similarly uh, uh, is unpopular on the Democratic side, not just amongst the general electorate, but even within Democratic politics. And well, well, I think there, that's a really regrettable outcome for uh, for uh, American politics. Well, they, they are so polarized and they have this uh, very left left wing and then they have the moderates and then you have uh, Trump and his uh, I, I, I don't think there's any question that his remarks were racist. Uh, but that is a whole other controversy. Let's go to Gary in Belgrave. Hi, Gary. How are you today, my dear? I'm fine, thanks. Well, I'm a I'm a Trump fan. I'm one of the little guys out there. But anyway, I would like to say at least you know where the man stands. Everything's out in front, you know. And this thing that they're doing, you know, impeaching whatever they want to do with the guy, you know, they've wasted all that American money, all their time, and everything else when they just have to get down to business. They just have to get down to business running the country. Concerning the China ordeal, you know, what's going on right now, you know, he's the only president that's ever been in there. Like, the United States of America owns China millions of dollars, billions of dollars. Owes them. I thought you said owns them. No, they, no, owe, they owe Yes, them. yes. He owes them billions of dollars. This guy stands up to them. Now, who would ever do that, you know? But, uh, you know, I'm a Trump fan. I, I, I really... Uh, I really agree with what he's done. Uh, there's things I don't agree with, and you know that. There's things that I do not agree with by being racist and stuff like that. I, I don't agree with that at all. That's wrong. But, uh, you know, there are things that he's done that are right, and I, I fully agree with it, you know. At least you know where you stand with this guy. You okay. Know? Thanks, Gary. Okay. Well, uh, it looks like uh, Trump wouldn't do too badly even if he were running here. No, he actually wouldn't, and you know that. And I, I think we've actually now started to see it in our own little way with the 
very small dying in the polls people party of canada when maxime bernier actually introduced yesterday that he would consider building border fences around canada to keep out illegal immigrants so okay well yeah so they're not it's not a wall here it's a fence it's a remember fence, that I know, the, the big huge difference but look what it means is all kidding aside is that obviously there there are certain components of trump's mantra that would obviously sell to a, a, a tinier portion of the Canadian public. By and large, most Canadians, well, they tend to have very strong opinions one way or the other. The last one I looked at, I think, was close to 86, 87 percent negative, and that was about a year ago. My guess is it's probably not that much different. I tend to be middle of the road about Trump, as you know, Libby, and we've talked about this in the past and that I have with others, where I'll praise him when he does something right, but I'll definitely criticize him where he does something wrong. I think, unfortunately, I'm in the minority when it comes to Trump because no one really looks at it that way. And I admit that it's hard at times. But he does have a certain appeal due to his populist nature, the ability to march to the beat of his own drum. You know, he has no filter when it comes into uh, public speaking, discussions with the media, discussions with people just uh, at big rallies. And for that reason, and also his opposition to political correctness, which I think a lot of people on the right and even a few on the left would actually agree is not necessarily a bad thing, it, it is appealing in certain ways. But unfortunately, when a lot of the nonsense comes into play, based on his tweets and his various comments that he's made that are you know, either racist by some people's verdict or borderline offensive or completely offensive, depending on how you look at them, when you put it all into a big nutshell, Donald Trump would not necessarily sell in Canada, but there's always going to be a portion of Canada that will be pleased with the way that he's handling things, both domestically and internationally in the United States. Okay, you know, at the top, I promised a basket of issues. So uh, we're starting to... Kind of a you know, small basket, Libby. A small basket, but but let's look for a second. So yesterday, also, Boris Johnson was sworn in, and he's also uh, some version of a populist figure. Uh, yeah. Sean? Is that I don't think I don't think I think the attempt to put Mr. Johnson and Mr. Trump in the same box uh, is uh, I think it doesn't quite work. Uh, Mr. Trump is not a conservative. Uh, uh, Mr. Trump is um, a narcissist who at times uh, expresses conservative predispositions, um, but that's about it. I think Johnson's also a narcissist. Maybe well, they have a narcissist, um, but I think he. He's an amusing is comfortable yes. in conservative ideas. He's comfortable yeah. in uh, the world of conservative philosophy. I think he is, a, he, well, he may be a, a narcissist in his personal life. I think he is much more intellectually rooted uh, than Mr. Trump. And I, I think, um, and, and for that reason, I, as I say, I think, I think it, it's a stretch um, to, to connect the dots besides their, um, besides their sloppy hair. Well, I yeah, I they... agree. If I may just jump in quickly, but just a minute. But they they, they both Johnson lie a lot. Well, Boris Johnson is what you call a one nation conservative, which basically means that, and he's touted this term himself, which means that he respects the history of Britain in terms of its traditional institutions and otherwise. In other words, he believes that there has been components of British conservatism over the last two hundred years which have benefited society. And I agree with Sean as well. Ideologically, because I know Boris a little tiny bit because I dealt with him during his days when he was editor of the Spectator magazine in the UK, this is a man who is very well trained. This is an Oxford graduate in history. He understands history and politics very well. 
He's very intellectual in his in his the way he speaks, the way he thinks. Maybe his mannerisms are obviously quite eccentric, and they may even be slightly narcissistic, as you pointed out, Libby, and I don't completely deny that. But he is an amusing character who is very different than Donald Trump because he is more grounded ideologically, and quite frankly, as a leader, he is more sound. If you even yeah. just watched him, for example, today in Parliament in Britain, and the way he was thundering you know, against uh, Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn and others, this is a man who has a bit of a Churchillian nature to him, which is not surprising because that's one of his role models, but he also just has this incredibly fun, humorous side that he can latch onto with intellectual themes, which is such a refreshing outlook on life that we just don't see from a lot of our political leaders. I don't know how Boris Johnson will do ultimately as Prime Minister. I don't know how Brexit's going to go over the remaining 98 days before they have to eventually leave by Halloween of this year. But nevertheless, it makes politics more interesting. And to compare Boris Johnson to Donald Trump, I also think is farcical. Well, well. okay, I agree. He's definitely more intellectual. He is amusing. Uh, but he also, uh, he does have that narcissist streak and, and he does uh, have a tendency to fib. Sure. But you're absolutely right. No one is saying he's perfect, and God knows that Donald Trump is not perfect either. But then again, in fairness, no political leader has ever been perfect, Libby. We can go back to all of our prime ministers and many other leaders. They all have their good points and their bad points and their character flaws. It's really a question of whether the job is going to make the man. And sometimes for a great leader, that's occasionally what happens. Boris Johnson has been put into a role that he has wanted for at least the last three years, if not, if not more. He now has a unique opportunity to basically repair a country that has been torn apart by Brexit and possibly repair a, a Tory party that has been torn apart by dissension from within and the fact that they've unfortunately been losing various by-elections and others to the point that their majority, their working coalition with the Democratic Union Party in, in Ireland, is now down to one seat. If he can actually find a way out of this mess, and it truly is a mess, then honestly, his, I think his name as a politician will be made forever. And if it doesn't work out, well, God knows where we go next. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, let's take one more call from Danny in Toronto. Hi, Danny. How you doing? Fine. You're on Good. the air. Okay, listen. I watched this yesterday, and uh, as far as uh, I thought, you know, he was very forthright. I thought he was great. He's not a young man, number one, Mueller. Yeah. And the bottom line was, when he said, uh, did you exonerate him? Because when Trump came out, he goes, total exoneration. Did you exonerate him? No. Can you uh, arrest him for a crime after he's president? Yes. Bottom line, end of story. I don't know where, you know, forget about it. And as far as this guy saying like he was he's scuffling with his answers, you go under seven hours of interrogation and see how you do. You know what I mean? Under the lights. It's not easy. He's not a young man. Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool. Gotcha, <laughs> Daddy. Thank you for that. Okay, um, we're going to be wrapping up the segment before we've touched on everything we want to talk about, but there is always more time tomorrow's free for all Friday and next week. Cause uh, we've got to talk about Iran at some point. That point is not right now. What would you like to leave us with Michael Tobe? Well, I mean, uh, it's interesting that we've talked about Donald Trump and Boris Johnson because they've been the most widely compared to politicians, probably internationally as of late. Anyway, I guess I'll just leave you with this. 
Um, we know what Donald Trump is like, and we know that obviously the Robert Mueller testimony had a lot of eyes, ears, and, and views on it on a regular basis. It is a bit of a sideshow. I don't deny that. And I wish we would stop talking about it and move on to other things. But obviously it's something that has to be naturally dealt with. Boris Johnson is just starting his tenure. He is an intriguing individual overall, probably one of the most intriguing figures to have entered 10 Downing Street in many decades. And it'll be kind of fascinating to see how he does. But I think you put them together. This is my final thought. When Boris Johnson and Donald Trump meet, and they will meet publicly at some point, I think that's going to be one of the most astonishing media events in years. And I hate to say it, I'm actually looking forward to it. Okay, hairdressers everywhere. <laughs> You're on call. Sean Spear, what would you like to leave us with? I would just say that, Lily, that um, I think listeners may not appreciate the extent to which um, there is the sharing of best practices. There are individual connections. There are ideological connections across conservatism in the Anglosphere. Uh, obviously, Mr. Trump represents one path for conservatism. I think Mr. Johnson represents another one, um, a one that is in touch with regular people, but ultimately rooted in conservative ideas. And I hope that Canadian conservatives, the extent to which they're looking at these two paths and making judgments about how they ought to do politics in Canada, they most definitely choose Mr. Johnson's path and not Mr. Trump. I think that is the essential to the functioning of our democracy, but as importantly for me and Michael as, as two conservatives, to the future of conservatism in Canada. Okay, well, thank you both, Sean Spear and Michael Tobe. Thank, thank you, you for that. Have a good day. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.